If you're a dad who's experienced sexual abuse and or physical abuse as a child, and it has wrecked your life into adulthood, this is an episode you are not going to want to miss. You might be desperate for real lasting healing. And my guest has been through all of this and he will share his story and his path to healing with us in just a moment. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Dennis Knight Sr. Dennis is the founder of King Me Ministries, a ministry that focuses on equipping men to be who God created them to be. Dennis has had a dark childhood that included sexual abuse, and he will share his story and journey to how he survived the abuse and came to a place of forgiveness and true lasting healing. Dennis, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. Uh, what a pleasure. The pleasure is definitely mine. I look forward to, to what we can discuss today. So Dennis, let's start with a dad joke. What is your favorite dad joke? Uh-huh. Let me see. I guess I would go with, why do chicken coops have only two doors? Why do chicken coops have two doors? I'm not really sure. Because if they had four, they would be called chicken sedans. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Dennis, let's start with your story. What happened to you as a child and how did it impact you as an adult and as a dad? Uh, That's a great question. First, thanks for the opportunity of of being able to share this. Um, I'll start by saying that I never thought I would be able to, uh, but there's something that has clicked recently and I see that God is asking me to do this uh, for purposes that I don't fully understand. But I can see that it is it is seems to be a life raft for some people that are drowning in where I was. And I see that God is starting to get glory for that. So I thank you for the opportunity and having me on as your guest. Even from an early age, I, I wanted to know Jesus. I discovered Jesus at the age of about seven or eight. I did that by watching this TV show on a network called USA Network. The, the, the TV show or the cartoon was called Storybook, and it was a story of two young kids who would travel back into these biblical times, and what they would see in these biblical stories coincided with something that they were dealing with in their real life, and they would understand how God wanted them to respond to that. And watching that cartoon, just I just fell in love with Jesus. I, I can't fully explain it. I, I come from a home where Jesus was nothing more than a curse word, and I was the first person to to seek him out and to know him. And what I know now is that he was seeking me out the entire time. I wasn't seeking him. But watching this TV program, I had a neighbor who finally, the next phase, she stepped in and invited a bunch of us kids in the neighborhood to go to this vacation Bible school program at a local church. I loved it. I was all in and all my buddies went and not one of them enjoyed it, but I loved it. I was so drawn to Jesus even more because of this vacation Bible study, a vacation Bible school. Uh, That same church invited me to go away to a, a summer camp for a week that their church was hosting. And it was there that they filled in the gaps and told me who it was that I was so drawn to, this person of Jesus. And and I just fell deeply in love with him. And and I put my trust in him and I wanted to be a savior. And I knew even at that moment at at age eight, I I wanted to be a pastor. And what happened 
was this church dropped us off at this camp and that person that was in charge, that pastor retired. And a week later, we were actually picked up by a brand new pastor. And that pastor was young and hip and he was kind of cool, but we had no idea that was even happening. Uh, And back home, I lived to go to church and I wanted more of God. I wanted him more than anything. And I was invited by this new pastor to stay over to help. He made me feel special, included, and he kind of filled in some of the things that I was lacking in my own relationship with my family. And my hope was that in spending time with him, that he would show me more of who Jesus was. And unfortunately, he didn't. He started to sexually abuse me, and that abuse lasted for several years, progressively. And as I've come through that healing process, one of the hardest things for, for me to do was to, to, to see, like, where were you in this, Jesus? Why, why didn't you stop this? Why would you lead me to a man who I thought was going to show me more of you, but you allowed him to hurt me in ways that are unspeakable? Um, coming through that healing process, those were the hardest years of my life. And looking back, I realized that life is lived forward and it's understood backwards. And I say that to say that I didn't see how that childhood abuse impacted me until I've, I've been removed from that and, and healing. And, and as I look at that, I see that my, my own self-worth was in the tank. I constantly doubted myself and my ability I had these big dreams that I thought were of God, but I had zero confidence that I was the man enough to accomplish those. I felt like I was always posing and and I was getting really good at hiding the pain and brokenness, especially from other men, hoping that they never could tell that I was damaged and even dirty. I was always confident that other men knew that I was less than a man for what I allowed to happen to me. At least that was my thoughts. Um... I feel like my chance at being a man was stolen from me, and I could never get that back. As a dad, I was completely overprotective. I wouldn't let my kids sleep out anywhere. I trusted nobody. I always thought that they wanted to hurt my child. And when it came to my walk with Jesus, I knew that he loved me. But it always felt that he loved me for some selfish reason. He loved me uh, for what he could gain from me. I saw him through the eyes of my abuser. Jesus loved me, but he had an ulterior motive. He didn't just love me. He loved me for something that he could get from me. And that was really, really difficult. If God could have prevented such a horrible abuse from happening, then why didn't he? My own faith in Jesus has has never really wavered. As I look back on this, and this is the remarkable side of it, I've always believed in his ability to have saved me through this. I believe that he can bring good from what's happened to me, but I question, um, I just, I feel like that question has to be, to be, to be answered. If God were ever to be trusted by the men who have been abused or fathers who have not been able to prevent their own kids from being abused, we need to have an understanding of this. We need to have an answer for that. And, and yes, God could have stopped my abuser. And, and in, in some ways, he tried, right? He tried to put those guardrails to, to, pre- to, to prevent evil from coming into this world. Uh, it's complicated, and that's hard to understand, and it takes some faith. 
But here's what I understand and choose to believe about why God allows bad things. I am sure there are greater minds that can speak to this. Uh, but for me, this is what God has allowed me to believe and where he's allowed me to, to connect back with him. I think of, of a couple things. I think of the book of Job. And had God decided to protect me and let no harm come to me, I feel like Satan could have said to God, of course he's going to follow you. Of course Dennis is going to be a good pastor. Of course he's going to be a good dad. Of course, because you've protected him and you keep him safe from any harm. God could have challenged God if God chose to just supernaturally protect me. But God let Satan cause some really bad things to happen to Job and to me and other people that have been abused. But one thing is interesting. God trusted, or Job trusted God. Job was frustrated. Job was angry, but that was all directed towards God. Job's eyes never left God. He questioned, he was frustrated, he was angry, but he was angry in a relationship with God. And what I've discovered is Satan doesn't want me to worship him. Satan's plan is so much more simple than that. What Satan seems to want to do is he wants my eyes to leave God, to look at my situation, to be afraid of the evil that happens. And in doing so, Satan wins. Satan's goal is simply to get my eyes to not look at my Savior through the hardest times of our lives. The second thing that I look at is the story in John 9, where the disciples come across this blind man and they say to Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus looked at them and he said, neither. Sometimes some of these bad things happen to people so that the glory of God can be shown. And I see the story of Job and the story of Jesus in, in John chapter 9 on the same level. Because Job chose to trust God through unspeakable things, unspeakable loss, God was honored. God was able to look at the enemy and say, see, I can allow the worst things to happen to them, but when they keep their eyes on me, everything's okay. Everything works out. Everything makes sense. And so why does God allow some of that stuff to happen? I don't fully know, but I do know in his promises and, and where I get my hope is through the prophet Joel, where God says through him, he says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And so while I can't understand why God allowed it, why he didn't prevent it, I know that he is poised to get glory for himself. I know he's poised to get to make good things come out of this in my own life, even if it's just to make me more like his son. I know this promise that he says, what was stolen from you, Dennis, all the things that you've had to go through, because you've trusted in me, because your eyes remain on me, one day soon, I'm going to restore all that stuff that was stolen from you. And so that's, that's kind of where I am. And that's how, I, that's how God has allowed me to answer why he has allowed this to happen in my life. I think it's important to note as well that God doesn't cause these bad things to happen. He allows them. And I think the other part of this to understand about God is that it says repeatedly in Scripture that God really loves justice. Mm. justice is a very, very big deal to him. And when we go to the story of Job and we look at how it resolves that God restores Job, 
And part of that is all of his friends who were mocking him, who were ridiculing him, criticizing him, who were really of no help. And uh, they had a very um, holier than thou attitude. Like, what did you do to bring this on yourself? Uh, you you need to, the, the piety that they were trying to, to brag about and demonstrate to Job. In the end, that comes back to bite them because... When God makes it very clear to them that they were wrong and then they had actually sinned, God made it clear, I'm not going to listen to your prayers. I'm not going to accept your your sacrifices or anything until you have made first made things right with Job. When you have repaired things with Job and and repaired that relationship, yeah, then go make sacrifices to me and then I'll listen to your prayers and forgive you. Yeah, I think it was Tim Keller who said that. He he made such a, a good point. He says, Job was permitted to, to share his frustration, to share his anger, to share the regret that he was ever born. He was allowed by God to do that. And God didn't call that sin because what Job did, which was different than his friends, is, is Job directed all of that to, to God. Job stayed in relationship. Job, Job kept his eyes on God through it all. Um, the, at the beginning of that, it says, you know, even amongst us, Job chose not to sin. He, he never dishonored God. Even when his wife said, curse God and die, he was like, no, uh, even if God takes everything away from me, or if he blesses me, my eyes are going to remain on him. And I think that's, for me, that's kind of the deeper theological reason of why God allows bad things to happen is because I do believe that God's eyes are going back and forth in the world like he tells us. And he's looking for that one man or that one woman who sold out to him, that, that they can be exposed to some of the darkest and deepest evil, and yet they, they're not wavered. They, they, their eyes don't leave him and, and say before Satan, say, look at my child. I allowed you, as you said, God never causes that, but I allowed this, I allowed you access, I allowed you to do this to my child. And look what they chose to do. They continually looked at me. They continually found their strength. And even when I, I refused to answer the why, they still said, I'm holding on to you. And, and that's really been the difference in, in my life. As I look at some of the men that I have counseled who've been kind of hurt or, or hurt through the same man, it's, it's kind of that same thing. I see their life and I see such brokenness and so different. And, and what I see are men that refuse to, to, to trust God in this. And I think oftentimes like, why am I so different? What, what, I, I, was, I came from the same types of family. I was abused the same way. Why am I different? What's, what's the different component in my life and my story than theirs? And I think, and it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's a gift, or at least I think God has allowed me. My eyes have just been able to look at him and say, God, it doesn't make sense. That was hard. That was scary. But my eyes are still looking to you looking to you to help me make sense of this, looking for you to keep your promise that you're going to make something good out of this one day. I really think that's the difference for me. The next question is going to seem really strange, but I know that there are a lot of people, a lot of dads who have suffered abuse, and this question is lurks somewhere in the back of their mind. But as an adult, did you ever feel in your mind that you were making a big deal out of your childhood abuse than it really was? 
did you ever feel maybe a sort of guilt or feel like in some way it was your fault or that maybe you might have been making some part of it up or you have a detail fuzzy here or there? Did that ever cross your mind? I'm glad you asked this question because as I was confronted with these memories and, and what do I do with them, I always felt like I had to prove to other people. And, and I felt like maybe I am making a big deal about this. Maybe I didn't see it the way it really happened. Maybe I've manufactured some of these feelings. Uh, so I think it's a super important question for those guys because as, as God, if, if there are other men that have been abused, they have to wrestle with this question. So it's a, it's, I think it's a paramount question in the process of healing. But for me, it's, it's a strong yes and a no. I never thought I was making a big deal of the abuse. I never really um, had to deal with that. I, I always, instead, I avoided it. I felt that somehow I must have misunderstood my abuser's intentions. I must have invited this somehow. And, and here's where it gets really, until you understand the psychology of being groomed and abused, I must have invited this because I loved this man. And, and I kept going back when I could have said no. And, and that's a really hard thing to explain to people. He wasn't my dad. He wasn't my caretaker. I could have just said, I don't want to go to church anymore. I wasn't a part of a family where church was part of our life. That was just me. That was my thing. And I feel like I gave him access to me. I allowed him to spend time with me. I have so many times said, I actually loved this man who hurt me. And, and that's a hard thing to wrestle with. How do you love somebody that's abused you? Um... What he did for me in so many areas of my life is he enriched my life. He expanded my understanding of how the world works. Um, he took me places as a poor kid that my parents never could have taken me. He, I was important to him. I, I went on trips. Uh, he, we hunted. We fished. We hiked. We traveled to places that my parents never could have taken us. And what I realized is those daytime hours spent with him shaped many good parts of my life. But the nighttime hours is where the abuse happened. And I suppressed and refused to believe that he hurt me. And, and that was a hard thing to, to really wrestle with. Uh, how do you love your abuser? And, and there's some psycho, psychological reasons for that. And there's an explanation for that. Um, but that's, that's really what I, I worked through. And, and, and I, I say yes, too, because I hate seeing the damage that this is causing even his family and his children and on so many people that he ministered to. I, I see lives being just just crushed because of his sin. And so I, I, I wear that weight of, was it necessary for me to say something? Was it necessary for me to, to let this come into the light? Why didn't I just continue to just let it be? And what changed everything for me was two things, and they were very important for me. The first one was hearing that this man had groomed several other boys at the same age that he groomed me, and these men's lives have been destroyed. And when that was shared with me, that's when all the memories were triggered. That's when the sleepless nights came. That's when the nightmares came. That's when, that's when I was sort of having to go back into what happened to me as a child, all those feelings that I have ignored and suppressed. And the second thing that was so helpful is my wife, she said to me one day, she said, Dennis, this didn't happen to you. The strong, loving, and more than capable man who can protect himself and those he loves. This happened to an eight-year-old boy. 
And you have to stand up and you have to protect and have give a voice to that eight-year-old boy for the sake of the other eight-year-old boys that this is happening to. Those things helped me to put in perspective what happened, who did it, and whose fault this was. It wasn't that little eight-year-old boy's fault. It was the abuser who knew exactly what he was doing. So that's definitely something I've had to wrestle with and, and other people coming out of that, that trauma. They're going to have to because I think the enemy and the world may not understand it. And they're going to sort of push that question to you. And, and you're going to feel that that question, whether they ask it or not, you're going to feel like it's right there on the surface. They want to know, how did you allow this to happen? And, and that's a tough thing to answer, but, but it's important. You started King Me Ministries. Tell us about it. Talk a little bit about God's purpose for dads. Yeah. So I remember sitting in, in bed one night and, and having just finished ministry and thinking maybe God's finished with me. And I woke up in the middle of the night and, and it literally just felt like God said, King Me Ministries. And trying to process, well, what do you mean by that? What is, where is that? And quickly realized that if you've ever played checkers, the, the whole point of playing checkers is you take your little pieces and you march them down to the end of, of the board, your opponent's side of the board, and you hope to get to that one spot where you look at them and you say, king me. And they have to put that second piece on top, and that second piece symbolizes your ability to move in any direction. You can do what you couldn't do before you arrived at that point. And king me ministries is just that. It's dads who, who look at their sons and they say, ah, I have intentionally raised you to be a man and you have arrived and let me, let me king you. Let me now enable you to move in any direction that you need to. Let me make you a force on this field that you're playing in this life. And so King Me aims to celebrate men and dads who get it right. Uh, they know how to intentionally raise their kids in the fear and in the love of God. And, and we know that there are some men who want to do it right, right? They just don't have the, the tools. They don't have the the know-how. And so we want to come alongside them and equip them with, with, with what it takes to be a good dad. And, and of course, the third component of that is there are some boys that will never have a dad. And, and we want to step in the gap there and provide what those fathers have not, the absence of those fathers have not. And what we're working to do even as we speak today is we're trying to build a three-phase program working with dads and their sons. And the idea of phase one is to take boys that are 10-year-old and you take them and their dad and you give them a weekend away, four days away, and it's just filled with adventure. In that first phase, it's an invitation from a dad to a son to enter into this journey from this day until you're 18, where hopefully at the culmination of this program, we are going to just celebrate your arrival into manhood. And phase two is just kind of a checkup four-day adventure where 15-year-olds and their dad, the same dads hopefully, and, and boys, they come back a few years later, and it's just a check-in, another weekend of adventure where they're kind of spoken into and, and equipped to, to strengthen their own relationship. And ultimately, phase three is where the father's going to stand before their son in this third um, time away. And they're just going to just sort of commemorate their arrival for a, man, for a father to look over into his son's eyes and say, son you have intentionally entered into this journey of becoming a man. You and I have worked through these, these things that we think are important and, and, and identify you as a man. And I want you to know that you've done everything needed to arrive at this point. 
And I just want to celebrate your arrival into manhood. How can dads connect with you for help or questions or find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, the best way is to go on our website, kingmeministries.com. They can email me. Uh, my email is going to be on that website. You could reach out to me. We could. I'd love to share our story, see how we can partner, see how we can come alongside these men and really equip them to be what God meant when he decided to make man. And just to make it easier, if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's thefatherhoodchallenge.com. If you go to this episode, look right below the episode description, and I will have all of the links posted there for your convenience. And Dennis, as we close, talk to that dad who's gone through a similar experience. How do they heal? First, let me say this. If this has happened to you, or if this has happened to one of your children, it's not your fault. I think God wants you to hear that. I think that's the starting block of healing. You didn't deserve this. You didn't cause this. What happened to you was pure evil. And though you may not see it, God is a just God, and he will one day put an end to all this evil, and there will be justice. Trust him. He's not a reflection of your abuser. He is God, and he will have the last word. And I share a quick story, and I shared this with you prior to being on air. When I was 10 years old, I was playing hide-and-seek, and sat behind this 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 uh, lilac bush and this property marker, just a metal rod, went right into my leg about two inches. Go to the doctor. The doctor sews it up. A couple of weeks later, it's infected. And my mom takes me back to the doctor. And the doctor says, this is a pretty big deal. And he decides that he was going to lance it. And he would require that my mom would stick these long you know, Q-tips into my leg, the wound in my leg. And it would allow it to heal from the inside out. And what happened as it healed and healed and healed, the last bit, my mom found some fabric that was part of the pants that I was wearing. And that was trapped inside me. And my leg couldn't function the way it was supposed to because of this thing that was this foreign object that was there. And I look at that story of what happened, and it's the exact same thing that I feel God has done with me. God brought me back into this wound, not to leave me there not to make fun of me, not to make me feel less than. He took me back into this so that he, by his grace and because he loves me, because he's for me, he wanted to heal this wound from the inside out. And, and God wants to do the exact same thing with you. He's looking for men that are going to trust him to take us back into those, those deep, dark wounds and allow God, even though it's a tough process and a hard process, he wants to, to heal us to the point where I've often said, do you, do you have a scab or do you have a scar? If you have a scab in your life, things will poke at it and things it'll catch on things and it'll rip back open. Or you have a scar that's just a reminder at one time you got hurt. And God wants to take that scab, that wound that keeps opening and you keep bumping into it. He wants to heal it in such a way that all you're going to see for the rest of your life is the scar. The reminder that it happened, but it's healed. And it's a story and God has been good through that. And and so that's really what I want other men to know. If this has happened to you, there's help out there. And and more importantly than that, God is the one that's going to orchestrate healing. And he wants to do that because he loves you. Dennis, thanks again for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. May God continue to bless all you're doing in his name. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com. I'd like to pause and thank our proud sponsor of the Fatherhood Challenge, Zencaster. If you've thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcast production platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. But the reason I personally use and trust them with the production of this syndicated radio program is their professional broadcast quality sound. There is no better time than now to start your podcast using Zencaster for all your needs. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code fatherhood and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.